What is up, y'all? How's it going, y'all? I'm glad y'all are here. My name is Blake. Welcome to the harbor. Hey, it's been a while since y'all been here. Y'all have a good Super Bowl party? Did y'all watch the Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah, the Rams won. I didn't really care. I didn't really care who won. I like football, but those weren't my teams. All right, hey, look, it's been a while. Uh, I want to I try to catch y'all up really quick. Um, do y'all remember what we've been going through this series? House rules. Yeah, house rules. What are the little letters? Rest, refocus, and risk. We've talked about rest, and we've talked about refocusing. Tonight, we're going to talk about risk. Um, but really quick, really quick announcement. Uh, juniors and seniors... Starting March 2nd, we're doing a Bible study for just y'all. That's a Wednesday, and it'll be Wednesday nights, juniors and seniors. Y'all come to that. It's going to be fun. We're going to talk about some very practical things that would be good to know before you go to college. So, in juniors, I know you're not there yet, but super, super awesome to be able to hear those things in advance. Also, y'all know high school retreat's coming up? At the end of March, high school retreat, March 25th and 22nd, please, it, it's so much fun. If you've ever been to retreat, they're a blast, uh, a lot of fun. Y'all should come to that. Let me do this really quick, though. Let me, let me pray for us, and for the next 15 minutes, uh, you know, part of my prayer is just that we would be able to hear it and to put away distractions, whether that's a phone, whether that's a friend, whatever it may be. Let's try to hone in for just 15 minutes. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for tonight. God, I thank you that we can freely come here and open up your word, that we can come here, Lord, and worship you. God, I pray that tonight you would allow me to speak clearly. I pray, Lord, that uh, you would allow us to remove distractions in this place, that you would allow us to hear it, that we, Lord, would be changed by your word, that you would help us to live out what your word says. I thank you so much for this time. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I, uh, I'm kind of a nerd. I love board games. Anybody else love board games? You're not a nerd if you like board games. I love board games. My favorite board game ever, just happens to fit, fit tonight, is called Risk. Yeah, Rachel, yes. Anybody else? Yeah, All right, look, if you haven't played Risk before, listen up. Risk, risk is an awesome game. It's, it's, it's a game where there's a huge map of the world, and your job is, is to pretty much take over the world. It sounds bad. But it's a lot of fun. Um, it, it's so much fun. But the thing about this game is whenever you're focused on one thing, or whenever you're trying to build something up in one area, you naturally become weaker in another area. And, and the definition of the word risk, I want you to think about this, Alex. I want you to think about risk and what the definition of the word is. The word risk means, you're mad I exposed you. The word risk means to expose something to danger, harm, or loss. So if you are risking something, essentially what that means is you're putting it on the line. Think about something you care about and think about maybe a time in your life where you've had to put it on the line. That is you risking something. Have y'all ever had to do that? Have you ever had to risk something that was valuable to you? I know I have, especially in middle school and especially 
in high school. Um, but I want you to think about this, and this is it's true for all of us. I mentioned it earlier. But when you pursue something, when you focus on something, it may be a person, it may be a thing, it may be school, whatever it may be, you naturally are going to risk something else. So, so what do I mean by that? If I decide to play football, listen up, eyes on me. If I decide to play football, I am risking becoming not as good at soccer. Or, or if I decide to focus really hard on my math homework, I'm risking maybe not getting smarter in English or something. Because when we're focusing on, it makes sense, when we're focusing on one thing, we can't be, we can't be focusing on something else. It's a natural part of just how the world, how the world works. Like if you decide to date somebody, it's just a natural thing. Like there's going to be risk with uh, your friends. Maybe less time you get to spend with your friends. Like it's just how, it's just how it works. Um, raise your hand if you've heard of Moses. You've heard of Moses. You don't have to know the Bible. I'm sure a lot of us have heard of Moses. If you haven't, that's fine. Listen up. I want to I tell you something about the story of Moses because Moses gives us a really incredible example of what it actually looks like to risk. And what we're specifically talking about tonight is risking the world. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that. But risking the world for Christ. Risking the world for something actually so much better. Now, if you don't know much about Moses, let me, let me just briefly tell you the story of Moses. Moses was born and he lived in Egypt. But the problem was, because Moses was a Hebrew, the Egyptians were trying to kill the Hebrews, his mom had to put him in a basket and send him down the Nile River. Now, as he's floating along, little baby in a basket on the river, he gets picked up by the daughter of the king of Egypt. Egypt at this time, most powerful nation in the world the most powerful empire in the whole world, and he happens to get picked up by the daughter of the king. And she decides to raise up Moses as her own child. So even though Moses was this Hebrew baby, he finds himself growing up in Pharaoh's palace. I want you to imagine, especially at this time, the wealthiest nation in the world, that means that he had everything. That means he had absolutely everything. He was, in, he was in a royal family in Egypt. That means that he had, he had access to money. He had access to luxury, pleasure, you name it. He had it all. And what he does is something that in, in our lives, if we were to apply this to our lives, we would look at this and say, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense why somebody in their right mind, if they have it this good, why would they give all of that up? If you have a Bible, in Hebrews chapter 11, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, this is going to briefly tell us and summarize what Moses did. It says, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, Look what he did when he grows up in Egypt. Look at what he does. 
by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So picture this in your mind, luxury, wealth, the best schools, the best possible education, an easy lifestyle, pleasure, all sorts of stuff. He had full access to everything. But it says that by faith, Moses makes this crazy decision to not, to not um, live in the benefits that he could have as an Egyptian. And instead, in verse 26, it says, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. You see, at this time, his people, he knew that he was a Hebrew. And his people at this time were extremely oppressed. They were slaves. They didn't have it good at all. All the things that the Egyptian had that we talk about, this wealth, this life of luxury and prosperity, the Hebrews didn't have any of that. And it says that Moses makes this crazy decision to not enjoy the benefits of being an Egyptian. And it says the fleeting pleasures of sin. He puts that aside and he says, no, 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 I'm going to associate myself with Christ. I'm going to associate myself with God's people. What would cause somebody to do that? What would cause somebody to do that? Like that doesn't make any sense. And I want you to think about that. Moses gave up the world. He gave up all the things of the world for Christ. I'm going to talk about the things of the world. Hey, just real quick, Pastor Heath, he actually preached on this next passage that I'm going to talk about in 1 John. Raise your hand if you were here this morning in, in big church over there. Some of us were in here. This next passage that I'm about to read, it's going to go into more detail about the things of the world that I'm talking about. And I want you to hear this because the Bible is not something that, that just speaks in religious words, but really it's not practical for our life. It's so practical for our life. It's so clear for, for our life. And I want you to hear this. In 1 John 2, 15 to 17, it says this. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Do not love the world. Well, what is that saying? It's not saying we don't love people, right? Jesus, the Bible says also that Jesus Christ loved us so much that he came, lived a sinless life, died on the cross so that we can be forgiven if we put our trust in him and if we repent of our sins. 
Like he loved us while we were bad and we still are, and he still loves us. So it's not talking about not loving people. But what does it say? It says, don't love the world or the things in the world. It talks about the lust of the flesh. You and I have a flesh. Now you say, well, obvious, Blake, but what, what is that talking about? The flesh in us is what causes you and I to desire things that are sinful. And we all have it, Christian or non-Christian, we all have a flesh, and that flesh in us desires things that are wrong. It's not just sexual things, even though we talk about that a lot, but it's things that are wrong. It talks about the lust of the eyes. We look at things that are wrong. We look at things with our eyes and we covet things that we don't have. Or we look at a person and we say, we wish we could be that person. Instead, it talks about the pride of life. Pride is such a hard thing because when we're looking at ourselves, it's, it's hard to see it in ourselves. But pride is, is something that is in us that desires us ourselves to be praised. It desires us to get the rewards. It desires us to get all the benefits, all the acknowledgement. Pride in us is what makes us so much more concerned about self than other people. And it talks about these are the things of the world that we're talking about. These are the things that, the God, that God has told us. Don't love the world. But I want you to think about that illustration earlier. We talked about, hey, if you're pursuing, if you're pursuing something in one area, naturally, you're going to risk something in another area. Well, it's the same thing with our walk with Christ. If you're pursuing Christ, if you're pursuing Jesus, there's a natural effect that you're going to risk the things of the world. Now, what are these things of the world? What are these things that I'm talking about in a high schooler's life? I'm, I'm gonna name a few of these things, but there's, there's so many different things that we could talk about. Here's one thing. If you decide to risk the world, it may look like for you risking popularity. It may look like you risking popularity by not being the life of the party. You may risk a relationship by deciding to value purity. Like that may be something that the other person is not okay with. And you may risk that relationship. For some of us upperclassmen, a lot of us have jobs. You not loving the world may look like risking a job to value worshiping God on Sunday morning in church. I've been there with that. I know a lot of y'all have too. You may risk your reputation among friends, among peers at school by not being a closet Christian. Screen time, video games, we may risk those things for saying, no, I actually want to spend time in God's word. You may risk a friendship by deciding to share Jesus with somebody or telling your friends the truth about what you believe about some controversial topics. Guys, you may risk being made fun of, being called names by deciding to honor, to speak respectfully about women and to look respectfully at women. That may be something that your friends 
just do not understand. Ladies, you may in fact get less attention. You may get less attention by deciding to dress modestly. And I know you're, some of y'all may be thinking, and I want to say this specifically to ladies because this is a, such a hard thing, though I'm not a lady. As high schoolers, it's hard to imagine, it can be hard to imagine that there's, there are godly men out there who are doing things the right way. But they actually are, ladies. I just want to encourage y'all in that. There are godly men out there who are doing things the right way. Same for you guys. There are godly women out there who are doing things the right way. And I want to encourage y'all to be patient. Be patient for that. I was in high school. I went to Grassfield. Raise your hand if you go to Grassfield. I was a soft, I remember this as clear as day. I was a soft sophomore at Grassfield High School. And I played football at Grassfield. I love football. And, and I played quarterback at Grassfield. And there was this stigma that if you are the quarterback, you got to be a certain type of person. And so there was a senior on our team at the time, and this guy's huge. I mean, he's like 6'3". He was benching like 350 pounds. And that's not exaggerating. The guy was humongous. Leader of the team. And he comes up to me, this little sophomore kid, and he looks at me and he says, Blake, have you ever had sex? Yeah, whoa. Blake, have you ever had sex? He asked me. I say, no, I have not. He says, Blake, you, you will be a better quarterback if you have sex. You, you, you gasp, right? You say, what? What? This is what I'm talking about right now, y'all. What I'm talking about is what it looks like to not love the world. That may seem crazy in these walls, but I guarantee you that's not a, that crazy thing what you hear in school. Some of you may be homeschooled or some of you may be in private school and maybe it's not as bad, but there's things all over the place. My question though is, is why? I can encourage y'all and I can share with y'all truth about do not love the world, but at the end of the day, if you don't see why, if you don't see the point of it, if you don't truly know Christ, like, I can't, I can't say anything to make you actually live this out. And the Bible tells us, right, it is great that y'all are here. I am so thankful that every single one of y'all are here. I'm grateful for that. But the Bible doesn't say, hey, all you got to do in your life is just find yourself in church so that you can hear God's word. That's awesome that y'all are here and that you're listening to God's word. But the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us to be doers of the word. He tells us that, no, no, it's not just about listening. Anybody can listen. It's about doing what it says. And it's not like you and I are going to be perfect. And, and I want you to hear this very clearly. This thing that I'm talking about tonight, about not loving the world, about risking the world for Christ, we can't do it on our own. You and I can't do it on our own. Well, if we can't do it on our own, how do we actually do it then? There's a reason that during this series, we, we've ordered it the way we have. Where we talk about rest and what it means to rest in Christ and who he is. Where we've talked about refocusing, how daily it is so important for us to just refocus. We talked about all the messages that the world gives us. 
Y'all hear it all the time, whether you think you do or not, on your phone, in class, on the TV, you are getting pummeled with messages. That's why refocusing on who, who Christ is, spending time in God's word, spending time in, in a relationship with the Lord. And of course, that's where it all starts. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, then nothing I'm saying right now applies to you. Last verse, and then we're going to go to our community groups. In Mark 8, 36, it says, Jesus says this. He says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Like, I want you to think about this. Think about your life. Think about what maybe you or even your friends in class, in school, wherever. Think about what, what is the one thing that everybody wants? Maybe it's money, maybe it's a relationship, a certain relationship. Maybe it's pleasure, maybe it's popularity. Whatever it may be, I want you to listen to what Jesus says. What does it gain you and me if you get all the attention, all the love from people, all the money, relationship? What does it matter if we gain the whole world, yet we lose our soul. At the end of the day, all these things that we talk about, the, the pursuits of the world, the Bible says they're meaningless. It's, we read it earlier. It said, and the world is passing away along with its desires. It's meaningless. We talk about what it means to be a Christian a lot, and we're going to close. We talk about being a Christian is 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 a relationship, but we talk about, well, how do, we, how do we have a relationship with Christ? It's about surrendering your life to Christ. There's a story, true story. There was this man who really wanted to follow Jesus. And this guy had a ton of money. He had a ton of money. He had a lot to lose. He had a lot to lose. But he says, I, yes, I'm a rich man. I want to follow Jesus though. So he runs up to Jesus. He says, Jesus, I want to follow you. And Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus looked at this man and he loved him. But Jesus looks at this man and he says to him, go and sell everything you have and give it away and then come follow me. And the Bible says that that man went away from Jesus very sad. You see, Jesus wasn't telling us that if we want to be a follower of him, you have to give away all, all your money. Like, that's actually not what Jesus was saying. But what Jesus was telling us is that if we do want to be a follower of him, we have to surrender everything that is most valuable to us. The Bible even says that that includes family members. Of course, we still love family members, but he needs to be first. It even talks about sons and daughters. Of course I love my daughter, but he needs to be first. The Bible talks about like it's, it's right for a man to, to provide for his family. So of course I want to pursue, pursue that, but he needs to be first. Of course it's good to pursue good grades, but he needs to be first. Of course we're not against right and pure relationships, but he needs to be first. Sports were a huge deal for my life, and maybe they are for some of y'all, or maybe it's something different for y'all, but he needs to be first. 
There's no satisfaction in this world that this world can offer us. The Bible says that if you want to be a Christian, if you're here and if you want to be forgiven of your sins, the Bible says that that is actually possible for you only because of Jesus Christ, only because Jesus, who's the creator, the savior, the king of kings, only because he loved us enough that while we were sinners, he came down to earth, lived a sinless life, willingly gave up his life on the cross for us, was buried and rose three days later, and is now in heaven. And the Bible says that he's coming again, but it, forgiveness is possible now. We just have to repent of our sins and trust in who he is. Trust that he is enough. Nothing any of us can do. You, I, our family members, anybody you know, none of us can be a good enough person to earn forgiveness. We can only be forgiven through Christ. So if you're here and if you wanna be forgiven, if you want to be sure you have a relationship with Christ, there are leaders here who would love to talk that through with you. What, what would it look like for you to surrender your life to Jesus? What would it look like for you? I wonder Maybe some of those things I mentioned earlier, maybe you're like, yeah, I definitely can fall into that category. Or maybe it's something else that came to your mind while I was talking about those things in the world, those things that are super practical in our lives that are demanding our, our attention. What is it for you? And what would it look like, I wonder, for you to put, to put that away? We're gonna go into our community groups and, and talk a little bit more about this. I'm gonna pray for us if you'll bow your head and pray with me. Heavenly Father, I pray so much for these students, Lord. God, I pray that you would give us a love for you, that you would allow us, Lord, like Moses did, to have a faith in you, to have a trust in you, to love you so much that we don't care about those things that, in the world. The things that your word promises to us are fleeting, that are meaningless that are harmful to us, Lord, even though they may look good in our eyes. Help us to do that, Lord. We know that we can only do that with your help. God, I pray that tonight wouldn't be just another night that so many of us came to church on a Sunday night to hang out, have fun, listen to some words, sing a song, go home. But I pray, Lord, that tonight would be a night where your word would do a work in, in, their, in the hearts of these students. Even now, Lord, I pray that if there are any here who, who may be unsure if they actually have a true relationship with you, if there are some here tonight who can honestly say like, yeah, I actually have not surrendered my life to Christ. I'm still living for me. God, I pray that you would do a work in their heart and in their life, that you would draw them to yourself, that you would give them courage and strength with us today in our small groups, in our community groups. God, we love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.